0: Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Sign up using our link and receive a $500 risk-free bet. That's right, $500. And if you send in your first bet slip, you're going to get a free t-shirt courtesy of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So head on over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win for a $500 risk-free bet. That's right, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bettors providing insight, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge. BetterEdge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is, it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG betting that's legal in up to 40 states. Sign up at BetterEdge.com promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com promo code SGP. And finally, we're brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome, all my little gens out there. Uh, this would be the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Welcome back. If it's your first time, welcome And what took you so long to find us? Uh, We've been around for what? This is episode 12. So it's uh, almost, what, three months now we've been around. So anyhow, thank you for listening uh, either way. My name is Jeff Fox. I am your host every week. I cover the sport and NBA and do some editing over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. I also run the MMA-manifesto.com, which you definitely should check out. I will be running a pick 'em contest for the event we're talking about today, UFC 257. Uh, free to enter, and you can win some uh, lots of cool um, cool gear from a very good company in Australia. So um, make sure you check out MMA-Manifesto.com this week for Fight Week. Uh, with two fight cards this week, it's going to be a busy week. Um, as per usual, I am with my co-host, Daniel Gummy Vreeland. Uh, we pull back the curtain a bit here. We are recording this one before uh, Wednesday Fight Card, so I don't have any... Um, I'm going to assume Dan's picks didn't come through. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say I, I won't be a rip on him about making bad picks, but we'll just assume he whiffed on all the picks that he that he went uh, went against me um, for the Wednesday night card. And um, of course, I'm talking about Daniel Gumby Vreeland, who uh, helps out over at MMA-Manifesto.com. He also hosts Top Turtle MMA podcast, which is a very good podcast interview slash gambling advice um fight breakdown podcast and then he does the prelim picker which breaks down uh gives you advice on all the prelim um prelim fights on every fight card so that would be like i said daniel gumby vreeland welcome mr vreeland
0: thanks and, and we'll say there were 12 fights right That we broke mm-hmm. down literally like minutes ago for those of you yeah. like we said pull back the curtain here
1: yeah, let's say
0: three of them got canceled and I went four and
1: five. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, more, <laughs> more than likely. That, that's more than likely that's what's going to happen. Um, so, of course, we're talking uh, we're talking about the big, uh, may end up being the biggest pay-per-view of the year because um, Conor McGregor's on it. It will be UFC 257, which will be also on uh, f- hashtag UFC Fight Island, which really doesn't exist. It's uh, Yaz Island, uh, Editat Arena on Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi uh, United. A- Arab Emirates um this will be going down like I said Saturday night it won't be wonky times like the uh, the past couple cards from the the island have been this will be the usual pay-per-view time so uh, if you're on the east coast uh the best coast 6:30 um 6:30 eastern is the early prelims which will be on uh, ESPN plus and UFC Fight Pass Then the regular prelims of the night will be starting at the regular uh, 8 o'clock time. And that that will be on big ESPN, ESPN Plus, and then the pay-per-view they want you to pay for um, starting at 10 p.m. So um, as of now, we've got the usual 12 fights. We'll we'll see how many of those end up making it to fight night Um, before we break down. Break down the fight card. We should mention if anything exciting happens in either of the two uh, lightweight main events, Habib might <laughs> possibly, possibly, maybe come back. So um, we we talked about that last uh, last podcast. But if you didn't hear that, we really don't expect him to come back. For I, I guess we said what Michael Chandler might be the most interesting matchup uh, of, of the four lightweights at the top of the card.
0: Yeah, I just can't see how he comes back. For a rematch, when 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 like it, it when the if the first ones were definitive, right? Like part of the reason we like Jon Jones rematches is because he played with his food before he ate it, and like then usually the second fight he turns it on and makes it clear, right? Like that's what he did with Gustafson, that's what he did with Cormier, and like in that way, in that way, like Habib doesn't have those rematches we're all pining for. Uh, because he finishes his, his meal the first time he has it. So uh, we're, we're not left with any leftovers to ex- continue this uh, food metaphor. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see him wanting to come back for either Poirier or McGregor. Hooker, I, I mean, like, he'd have to be real impressive to, to draw him out of retirement. Chandler being a, a Bellator champ, sort of, like, like I said in the episode you may have already listened to earlier this week, being the Bellator champ and having some allure as, you know, no tarnishes on his UFC record, it at least gives me something to think about.
1: Yeah. Now, do you, th- with that being said, do you think the main event should be for the lightweight championship? And, um, uh, of course, is between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. And Dana White's just trying to stick it to, to McGregor here.
0: I, I do think that that's it. And I actually don't know necessarily that he, he's trying to stick it to McGregor. So much as he's worried McGregor will win it and not defend it. Um, in that he'll try to use it as leverage and then he'll have to strip him and everybody will be like, oh, Connor's really the champ and now you've stripped two champions in a row. What does this belt even mean anymore? I think that that's more his worry than like trying to stick it to Connor because they, they've said that their relationship's a little bit better now and, of course, you can take that with a grain of salt if you want. But like I, I think that they pretty much know that the reason it's not on the line is because he wants to see Conor fight more often and defend a belt for the first time in his damn life in order for him to be happy with that. So I think that's it. And and to answer your question about whether or not I'd like it to be a title fight, I I think since it's the best lightweight fight available uh, with with healthy fighters and it was already booked and Habib basically retired once it was already booked – I think you should have put it on the line, but that being said, they're not my first two choices for who should fight for the belt, right? Like I I think it should probably be Charles Oliveira and maybe the winner of one of them, or I mean, I wouldn't mind Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje, although, you know, being that he just wrestled the hell out of Tony Ferguson and Gaethje looked like a fish out of water on the ground. I I don't, I don't really like that matchup for Gaethje, but I, I think Charles Oliveira is the one who deserves to be in it. But that being said, you know, with this fight basically already made, you could just make this fight for the belt and then let Charles Oliveira take the winner.
1: Yep, no doubt, no doubt, um, but we're, we're not the the people in charge, unfortunately, but um, yeah, I, I don't like seeing the belt on, on the sideline um, on a guy who says he doesn't want to hold up the division and <laughs> doesn't really have any interest in coming back, so... Um, that's the way it goes in this sport. Uh, before we actually break down the fight card, let, let me tell you about a newer uh, sponsor of ours, WinBet. Um, they have, they're often $500 risk-free bet. Um, we're also offering you free swag. So if you send in your first WinBet screenshot uh, to at podcast sorry podcast at uh send in your screenshot, and we will give you your free T-shirt. Um, so WinBet has tons of boosted bets. They include a wheel spin to boost parlays, which is perfect for hashtag the gens only. WinBet is currently online in New Jersey, Colorado, Michigan, and it's coming soon to more states. Hopefully, if you're not in one of those states, it'll be coming to you soon. If you aren't active, uh, if you aren't in one of the states where they are active, um, you can still get a free T-shirt if you refer someone. Uh, so make sure you go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win. So that's W-Y-N-N. That's how you spell win. So it's sports gamblingpodcast.com slash win alright um, let's start breaking down the fight card because I've talked enough to Dan today um, already <laughs> doing the one podcast so um, flyweight get some shine again on this card Amir Albazi bazi Zuma gulav Gulov um, they were supposed to fight earlier and this is one of those fights that have been been pushed down the line a bit, but they're hopefully finally going to fight this Saturday. Um, we'll start with Al Um He's 13-1 as a pro, four knockouts, eight submissions, which is insane for a, a flyweight. Uh, he's never been finished himself in a fight. Uh, he's won both his UFC fights via submission. He also won both of his Bellator fights. Um, he's inch taller, two inches of reach, five years younger. Grappling stats in his favor. Yet he is the I saw him at plus 108 dog in this one Zuma Gulov uh, 13 wins as a pro six knockouts one submission he lost his UFC debut he is a minus 120 favorite uh, I'm taking the plus money here
0: yeah I'm gonna go with the plus money too here with Albazi. uh it's interesting I, I know that the stats are in his favor which uh, to me you know we talked before when we were in that that UFC lull about contextualizing it I, I don't think we can read too much into the stats here because he beat Malcolm Gordon who has looked atrocious in his UFC span and Zaga Zumagulov lost to on Paiva who is, he's looked pretty damn good in his UFC bout. So like, you know, obviously we, we gotta be a little bit careful in how those look. But the thing for me that sticks out for albazi which I really like about him is if you look at actually his last loss, which was in brave CF, which is a, an organization out of Jordan that's doing some pretty great stuff. He fought shorty Torres who uh, looked damn good in the UFC would have done a lot better if he hadn't slammed himself on his head and knocked himself cold. Um, so like, I actually think Amiro Miro looked great in that fight. He had Torres' back a couple of times. He took him down a couple of times. Zuma Gulov to me is a guy who uh, I think really needs the takedown to look great. Um, and I think he's going to rush in. He's going to kind of bull rush. He's going to kind of look for those takedowns. I think Albezi's got enough of the defense that he can stop him, maybe get some offense of his own, sting him on the feet. Um, I think his his striking on the feet is crisper, maybe not as wild or as powerful. But I like Albezi here to keep it on the feet and probably win a
1: decision that way. All right, we're starting things off agreeing with one another, which is... Which is unfortunate, but that's, that's the way it goes. <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, we move, move on to a catchweight fight, 150-pound special attraction catchweight fight. Uh, Movsor and Nick Lentz. Um, let's break this one down. We will start with Evlov, who will be taking this on short notice. So that's the red flag there. He is 13-0, and 0, though, as a pro. Four knockouts. Um, sorry, three knockouts, four submissions. Three and all in the UFC. Four inches of reach. Ten years younger. Um, striking stats in his advantage, but he is plus 348 uh, on on the board. Lance, uh, 30 wins, 11 knockouts, eight submissions. He's lost his last two. He's only won two of his last five. Uh, an inch taller, but he's he's losing in the in the um, reach uh here he's got grappling stats in his favor he's minus 400 what are you thinking of Uh, you think these lines are off a little bit
0: I mean maybe a little bit but the one thing I will say about Nick Lentz is Nick Lentz relies on having a lot of top control um in in controlling his fighters that way because he he's really not much of a boxer um if I'm being real honest like you know he, he 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 took down Charles Oliveira which you know is worth mentioning and got peppered on the feet by him, you know, like so, like that tells you what kind of boxer he is. He also went 0-9 against Arnold Allen in takedowns, and not that Arnold Allen isn't a great fighter, but I actually think Evilev is probably a better defensive wrestler or a better wrestler than Arnold Allen. Um, you know, he's he's got that background that that we know to come and love out of the the East, so. I, I think for that reason, I just can't see Lentz getting anywhere where this is his fight. Um, so while, while I don't love numbers that are as wide as that as far as straight up bets, I, I don't even think there's any value on Nick Lentz.
1: No, and I I did misspeak. It is uh, Evloev who's minus 400, I believe. I had I had accidentally had Lentz written down here as a favorite, but he is he is a sizable dog here. And yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, Evloev is is the pick. I don't know if I'm ever comfortable going at someone minus 400, but we have to make a pick, and we're degenerates, so we're gonna we're gonna pick pick him and and stick with it. Um, the final pre early prelim fight is the middleweight fight. Andrew Sanchez, Mahmoud Muradov, Muradov sorry, uh, Sanchez uh, won three of his last four, um, knockout in his last fight. Um, Twelve pro wins, six knockouts, two submissions. Um, he has been around. Uh, For quite a while, like I said, he he won his last fight via knockout. He beat uh, Wellington Truman. Um, Grappling stats are in his favor. He's plus 118 in this one as a dog. Murdov, 24 pro wins, 16 knockouts, 3 submissions. So he is a knockout artist himself. Um, 2-0 in the UFC. He's won 13 straight fights. Um, Two years younger, Inch taller, inch of reach, so they're basically the same size here. Uh, striking stats in his favor, minus 125. I'm betting on him to make it 14 straight after after Saturday night.
0: I actually am going to take Andrew Sanchez on this okay. one. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, well, and, and, you know, it's, it's worth noting here with Andrew Sanchez, his level of competition has been quite a bit better than Muradov. Mur- Muradov, he's coming off of a win over Trevor Smith, who's like, I mean, like, how how old is Trevor Smith at this point, right? Like, and, and how many miles have been on the Trevor Smith tank? So, like, he he's coming off of that that fight, whereas Sanchez is fighting guys, like, like he has a loss against Marvin Vittori that he went the decision with Marvin Vittori, right? Like, he went the distance against the guy who we're talking about being a top-level uh, guy in that division, right? So, like, it, and a guy who just put it on, Jack Hermanson. So, I mean, like, when you combine that with the fact that, Sanchez has the ability to mix up enough of his grappling here that will keep Murdoch guessing on the feet. I mean, like, it, it's worth noting that Murdoch didn't, you know, like, have all that much success on the feet against Alessio de Chirico. He landed something like, man, man, I think it was something like 15 strikes per round against Alessio de Chirico, who we just watched is willing to let him fly, right? Like, so with that being said, Murdoch doesn't do a lot in terms of ways to win a decision. You know, he he doesn't pour it on. He's not really, he doesn't land much of his strikes. He throws a lot of like naked jabs that kind of just float in the air. And as long as Sanchez is away from those and can even counter him to wrestling, I I think he's got a good path to victory there.
1: Very good breakdown, but it's you're wrong, unfortunately. (laughs) Something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, you're gonna lose. So, but very good breakdown, that's what what we expect from you. So, uh, that concludes the early prelims. Before we move on to the main prelims, let's tell you about betterland.vegas, which you'll probably see my face on a couple times this week. If you don't, if you aren't familiar with that site yet, it's uh, betterland.vegas is like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which would be sports betting. Uh, the best part is you can get free video picks from all of the crew over here at Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So make sure you subscribe to our page, which would be sportsgamblingpodcast.com btb And then you won't miss any of our videos. You'll get a notification every time we post one. I'll probably have a couple videos up this week since there's uh, two fight cards. Uh, I'll have a video up for the Wednesday and the, uh, and the Saturday. Um, Hopefully this – actually, you, you may not uh, scratch the Wednesday one because by the time this podcast drops, I'm sure it will be – Wednesday will be over. So anyhow, um, so make sure you go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com uh, slash BTV to subscribe to our page. So it's betterthan.vegas. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV over at better vegas. So moving on to the prelims, which, like I said, will be on ESPN. Light heavyweights first, uh, Khalil Roundtree Jr. Martian Prachnio. Uh Prachnil, we'll start with 13 wins, 10 knockouts, one submission. Uh, so you know how he's planning on winning all his fights. He's dropped all three of his UFC fights. Um, he'll be two inches taller. He also will be about a plus 279 dog in this one. Roundtree's uh, got eight pro wins, five via knockout. So he's also... Sw- Uh, going for the finish here. Um, Lost his last fight. He's only won one of his past uh, three. He's one and two. Uh, He hasn't been in the cage since September of 2019. Uh, He's got two inches of reach, two years younger, grappling stats in his favor. He's a minus 315, I'm sorry, favorite in this one.
0: Yeah, and I'm going with Roundtree. I I think the thing about Prochanio is you mentioned he's on a three-fight UFC losing streak, which usually doesn't get you a fourth fight. It especially doesn't usually get you a fourth fight when those first right. three are first round knockouts. The dude has been knocked cold three times in the first round, and somehow he's here in a fourth fight. And if you look at the types of guys he's been knocked out by, too, it's like it's like you've tried to line something up perfect for Roundtree, right? Because Roundtree is is a striker. And not only is he a striker, he moved to Tiger Muay Thai so that he could adopt more of a Muay Thai style. He looked really good doing it against Eric Anders, which is that lone win in his last three. And he, he's he now is fighting a guy who had trouble with Mike Rodriguez's style, which is very kick heavy, very knee heavy, very elbow heavy. Like they basically gift wrapped a fight here for Roundtree, In my opinion, in, in finding a guy who's a willing to slug with him and B is going to have difficulties with his style. So I really like Roundtree in this fight. I, I think even the odds where they're at are worth, you know, hashtag throwing them in a parlay because I, I really think Prochneo is out of his element in this one.
1: Yep. I agree. Roundtree is the pick. Yeah. He looked very good when he, after his move to Tiger Muay Thai, and then he kind of fell off the map and uh, started losing and then he disappeared for a while. So hopefully he's reinvented himself once again, but yeah, uh, he's, he's a pick here for me also. Uh, now the ladies get some shine on the fight uh, card here. Women's bantamweight fight. Uh, it's actually a mom fight. Hashtag mom fight. Um, Juliana Pena, Sarah McMahon, um, uh, Two mothers going at it here. Um, we will start with Pena. Uh, nine pro wins, three knockouts, three submissions. Uh, lost her last fight. She's won one of her last three. Um, she will be uh, the longer fighter. I was going to say larger, but uh, she'll definitely be the, the longer one. Three inches of reach. Um, also younger, nine years younger. Um, striking stats in her favor um, of note. She only stuffs 28% of her takedowns. So that's uh that's of note because um might be explain why she's going uh, she's at plus one thirteen dog because she's going up against the uh, former Olympic wrestler here, Sarah McMahon. Um won her last fight after dropping two before that. Um she's also had a child in 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 between all those fights. Um She's grappling stats in her favor minus 120 favorite i think she's gonna win this one via wrestling
0: yeah i think you're a hundred percent right and i don't even think there's all that much to break down L- look back yeah. at, at juliana pena's record we're talking about somebody who in a, a three-round fight, conceded three takedowns to nico montano who not that nico montano deserves to be crapped on quite the way that she is because she is largely treated very unfairly by the ufc public uh yep. but like she's not a takedown artist, especially at Bantamweight, and she's still got Juliana Pena down three times. So, like, to me, that's all you need to know, because she's now facing an Olympic wrestler who's just going to ragdoll her to the mat all the time. And to be honest, I'm not sure McMahon doesn't have a stand-up advantage against Pena either. So, you know, with both of those things and sort of in the bank for McMahon, I not only think that this is a, a really good fight, her, but I think those odds are far closer than they ought to be.
1: Yep, so we will both be taking a yeah, minus 120. It's very, very nice number to, to get for McMahon. Um, moving on to middleweights, uh, Brad Tavares, Antonio Carlos Jr. A um, couple of guys returning here we haven't seen for a little bit. Uh, Carlos Jr., uh, 10 wins, 8 via submission. He is a grappling whiz here. Uh, like I said, he's making a return. He hasn't, he's been out since September of 2019 was his last fight. Um, dropped his last two UFC fights he was on a five fight win streak before that time um he will be the younger man here by three years uh he's got an inch of height five inches of reach grappling advantage in his favor plus 133 dog um Tavares has also been out of action for quite a while since November 2019 he also dropped his last two fights and he was four and zero before there so Quite a lot of simula- similarities uh, with the record, at least between these two. He's minus 147. Uh, we'll let Dan take the first pick here.
0: I'm going to go with the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu ace here in Shoe Face. Uh, I-, I like Antonio Carlos Jr. in this fight um, for, for a couple of reasons, really. Like, Obviously, Tavares has had the stronger level of opponents recently in Shabazian and Ida Sanya versus the two that Carlos Jr. lost to in Ian Hynish and Uriah Hall. Um, So obviously, like, not a lot to be gleaned from that. But the fact that Antonio Carlos Jr. is coming into this fight, having scored a takedown in every single UFC fight he's had in the last five years, to me is interesting because Brad Tavares is a guy who's got a decent takedown defense, right? It's like hovering around the 70s mark, but who gave up three to Elias Theodoru. And again, I always like to contextualize when we're talking about stats because you know, his takedown defense does look good because he stuffed Tialis Leites a couple of times and he stuffed Christoph Jaco a couple of times, but he wasn't able to stuff Cal Magalese or he wasn't able to stuff Elias Theodoru in their takedowns, which to me is alarming because we're talking about Antonio Carlos Jr., a guy who scored four takedowns on Marvin Vittori and beat Marvin Vittori in a decision like granted yeah Marvin Vittori stuffed a couple of those but this is a guy who was able to get Marvin Vittori down a bunch of times and he's a guy with tons of subs on his record so uh, for that reason I I really like Antonio Carlos Jr. if not to get the submission when he gets to the ground at least to get enough takedowns that really is going to sway the judges here
1: and that chump, UL Romero, also took Tavares down seven times. So if, if if a guy like Romero can take you down, then. Yeah. But no, <laughs> I. Uh, uh, being serious here, yeah, uh, Carlos Jr., I like him also, especially considering we're getting him for for plus money. So we are going to agree on that one, um, which brings us to the main event uh, of the free part of the night. Um, Lightweights, Nazrat Hakparast, Armin Tiz, Um that's how you say it. So, I think it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I. Uh, Hack Paras. Let's start with him since he trains up in my in my uh, homeland of Canada at TriStar. Um, he's got 12 pro wins, nine knockouts. Won four of his six UFC C fights. He's four and two. He won his last fight. He will be the uh, year younger than his opponent. He's plus two eleven. You can get him for. Um, Zurukian, 15 wins, five knockouts, five submissions, five decisions. So he's very uh, even in those terms. Um, Dropped, uh, I believe, his UFC debut that would have been, and then he's won two straight since then. Uh, Three inches taller, striking grappling stats in his favor, minus 215 on the board. Um, I'll take him for that.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Armin Sarkurian here too. I I think the thing for me about him – is that I think there, there's a decided wrestling advantage here for him. And like right. it, it's really noticeable when you consider who he's fought against too, because I, I think, you know, you, you could look at his stats and say, well, oh, he's only got, you know, this much takedown accuracy or, you know, this much takedown defense. The, the level of opponents he's fought are all grapplers. He's literally fought grappler after grappler after grappler. He's fought Islam Makachev, who not only, I mean, he did lose to him, but he won Fight of the Night, and he scored a takedown on Islam Makachev, which is very interesting. He, he out-grappled Olivier Bon who is, uh, again, a really good grappler. And he also out-grappled, to an extent, Davi Hamosh, who is a world champion jiu-jitsu fighter. So, like, for that reason, and knowing that Sarkurian has done all of that... I've got reason to like him here against Nazrat Haqparas, the guy who conceded a takedown recently to Alexander Munoz. So uh, I think when you contextualize some of those things, I like Sarkuri in here.
1: Yep, as do I. So I will pick against my well, – oh, he's not a native Canadian, but – You like uh, picking pick again. against the Canadians out anyway. here Yeah, I do. So let give I him
0: Canadian moniker, and then, then exactly. you can go full on with that.
1: Exactly. I am a traitor. Um, all right. Before we get to the main part of the night, the uh, the pay-per-view portion, let's tell you about another fairly new sponsor of ours, Better Edge. That's B E T T O R Edge. Uh, Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets. It allows you to buy and sell betting positions like stock market. Best part is it allows you to bet with no vig since you're buying positions from other sports betters. There's no house. You can play for money in 40 states currently. Um, SGP, of course, we have a weekly contest going on right now. Um, If you bet $10 to enter, um, each user will start with a balance of $1,000, and you wager on multiple events, and the player with the highest earnings will take the entire pool of entry fees. Uh, So sign up today at betteredge.com and use promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. So it's bettor ecom promo code SGP, which is you should put that promo code everywhere you go. Um, All right. Another women's fight. we got a couple women's fights on the main card, too, which is good to see. I like to watch the women fight. Uh, women's fight. Women's strawweight. Marina Rodriguez, or Hibos, since she's Brazilian. Um, Rodriguez, uh, let's break her down. She will be three inches taller here. Um, in the UFC, she's 2-2-1. Two, two, As a pro, she's 12-1-2, so... That doesn't make sense. My math doesn't add up there because she can't be 2-2-1 two, two and 12-1-2. And Let's check what I – my uh, mix-up there. She is 12-1-2 as a pro. My apologies. She's got two draws, only one loss. And her – uh should be noted her, own, her only loss as a pro was a split decision to Carla – to former champ Carla Esparza. So there's uh, no shame in that whatsoever. Uh, she also won a fight on Dana White's contender series. She's never been finished, uh, obviously, because she – um, lost via split decision as far as that was it for her. Uh, she's plus, despite all this, uh, sparkling resume, she is plus 269. That kind of speaks to her opponent more, more than to her, because, uh, Hibas is taking the UFC by storm. Um, she will be six years younger. She has one inch of reach. Uh, she's 10 and one as a pro. Three knockouts, four submissions, 4-0 four oh in the UFC. She's won five straight fights. Um, a BJJ grappling whiz, uh, grappling stats in her favor, minus 300. Uh, despite the huge line here, I, I like her in the fight.
0: Yeah, I like her in the fight too. And I, I think you know, you mentioned that BJJ edge too. I, I think the int- more interesting edge for me here is actually the wrestling edge, right? Like, we're talking about Marina Rodriguez, somebody who lost that split decision largely because she could not stuff the takedowns of Carla Esparza, who scored five of them in that fight. We're talking about Amanda Hebas, somebody who not only took down Mackenzie Dern twice but dominated her once she got there to the ground. She did did not fall into the submission game of Mackenzie Dern like so many of her opponents did. She took on Random Marcos, who's obviously got a great grappling game. I mean, she brutalized Paige Van Zandt on the map, and you can take that for what it's worth. So, you know, kind of knowing all of that about her grappling game, I I like Amanda Hebos quite a bit in this fight. Um, With that being said, the, the odds still worry me a little bit because I'm wondering how much of, you know, showing videos of her giggling on fight Island or, or swaying people to be like, Oh, I love Amanda Hibas now. And Marina Rodriguez is no joke. I actually have loved her as a possible prospect to move up in the division. I just so happen to think that this is not a good matchup for her.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm not a huge, obviously I'm not a fan of any line that big. I would rather it be, uh, be plus money for every, every fight I'm picking. But yeah, um, I, I think she, she's winning this fight, but, uh, not to no slouch uh rodriguez is no slouch so it's not not going to be an easy one say the least um brings us to to the men um i lost my picture here we are lightweights matt frivola ottoman and azatar um let's do with frivola first um two one and one uh in the ufc he's won two straight fights um but He's an inch taller, grappling stats in his favor, but he's not fought since October of 2019. So another guy uh, breaking a long, uh, long break on the sidelines there. He's uh, getting back in action here. He's plus 150. Dog, uh, Azatars, 13-0 as a pro, 10 knockouts, 2 submissions. So he's a finisher. 2-0 in the UFC. He was uh, formerly a brave lightweight champion. Um... He's got the striking stats in his favor, uh, minus 152, and he's got me in his favor also.
0: Yeah, he's got me in his favor as well. And and it's a shame, too, because I like Matt Favola. I actually think there's a lot of question marks here in this fight that are hard to break down because if you look back at the opponents, each of them has fought, uh, it's hard to, like, glean anything or to come up with, you know, sort of somebody who, who could mimic each other's game plans. Because if we're looking back at who Aziatar has fought... You know, he fought Kama Worthy in a very short fight. It only took about 90 seconds. He's not at all like Matt Frivola. He's a guy who likes to go in there and sling it. He fought Temu Pagalin. Temu Pakalan, a guy who likes to grapple, and, but, like, doesn't have a really great wrestling game. So now he's fighting a dude who, you know, comes from a wrestling background and it, it likes his jujitsu and has a good arm triangle, you know, in that, like, classic wrestling style. So, like, nobody Aziatar has really fought before matches that. And same with Frivola. Like, he fought Luis Pena, who, who does not punch like a Atman Aziatar. He fought Jaywin Turner, who's kind of long and lanky like Pena and easier to take down. I, I guess probably the closest thing you could say is he, he fought, you know, Lando Venata and had kind of a difficult time with that. He wound up in a draw. I think for me, the difference maker here is just aziatar does not seem like the type of person who's going to be taken down easily. And every round starts on the feet, and, and the decided advantage here is for aziatar in the striking. If he does wind up having a grappling disadvantage, it would be a reason to, like, second-guess myself here. But still, I, I don't think enough that, like, is going to put him away, and then he, or he's going to be so worn out in the second round that Frivola's going to take over in the striking. So... I'm going to go with Aziatar with a couple of caveats, but, you know, I actually don't mind this line too much for him either.
1: No. Um, I uh, I enjoy how we both, basically, every fight, we, one of us pronounces a uh, guy's name differently than the other person. So <laughs> it, it guarantees one of us is, is horribly wrong, So, uh, which is good. Uh, we're, did, did you uh, we're... say
0: Aziatar?
1: I think I said azatar, I think I was calling him, uh, and you're calling him a I'm not. I don't know which one's correct. I
0: actually I just, think my Z-atar. third pronunciation might be right. It, it might be Aziatar. <laughs>
1: <not> <laughs> that that shows, how credi- that shows how credible we are. Uh, one of us are always wrong with the pronunciations of, of people here. Um, that's our promise to you, our <laughs> dear listener. All right, bring us, us to women's flyweight. Uh, I know how to say these names. Jessica I. Joanne Calderwood. Um, we will start with uh, Ms. I. 15 pro wins. Um, did I said these are women's flyweights, so they're 125 pounds. So she, anyhow, 15 pro wins, 11 via decision. So and Collardwood's 14 pro wins, eight decisions. So you're gonna if you want to play some props, you're gonna want this one to go decision more than likely. As for I, Evil Eye, uh, lost her last fight. Uh, she was one on one before that, so she's won only one of her last three fights. According to my math uh, she's won four of her last six though which which is nice um slightly bigger here inch reach um, when you're younger uh, this is about a pick em fight she's I, saw i could you could get her for about plus one oh three was was the best number if you wanted her for plus money as for JoJo, dr Neville uh fourteen wins uh, like I said eight via decision lost her last fight uh, which she took uh she jumped in on short notice. Despite being promised a, a title fight, she thought she'd jump in and fight before that and lost, so now she's not getting a title kind of fight. Um, she's also only won one of her last three. She's only won three of her last seven, um, but she's a favorite in this one, minus 115. I think I'm going to take Dr. Neville also in this one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Calderwood too. And, and I think the thing that's really interesting for me in this one is uh, I think the interesting part is I think. Calderwood is sort of billed as the striker here, right? She's the person who's really good at Muay Thai. She had all those fun Invicta highlights before she eventually came to the UFC. And I sort of seen as like a boxer wrestler, right? Like somebody who likes to get inside and throw hands from in there and then likes to mix in a takedown or two. And if you look at I recently, like the last time she had a takedown was two and a half years ago against Jessica Rose Clark. And that includes going over on a, a lot of attempts too. Like she tried to take Caitlyn Chokagian down three times and whiffed on all three of them, which is significant considering we're talking about JoJo Calderwood who hit three out of four takedowns against Caitlyn Chokagian, and, and in my opinion, I thought won that fight against Caitlyn, Caitlyn Chokagian as well. So like it's like an interesting dynamic here because I actually think Calderwood could probably out wrestle I in this fight. Um, but regardless, like she's gonna have the advantage on the feet, or at least I imagine she would have the advantage on the feet, um, being that I just got like badly outstruck by Cynthia Calvillo. So I mean like I'm having trouble finding a path to victory here for I. Like, I don't think her wrestling's better. I don't think she's gonna outpoint her on the feet. Like maybe she, she definitely doesn't have the sub skills to get her. So yeah, I mean, like I have a tough time drawing one for I. So I think you have to go with Cal or, uh, with Calderwood.
1: Yeah. Uh, speaking of the takedowns, Calderwood's almost uh, lands almost five times the amount of takedowns that that i lands uh it's 0. 0.4 takedowns for 15 minutes for i and it's almost two, 1.9 for for calderwood so yeah and i think um, too if you
0: look recently those numbers have gone right. up for calderwood since she started working because i know she moved around right she was in scotland training yep. at team dinky ninjas for a while and now she's she's with her i believe fiance john wood at right. syndicate mma Uh, And and since then, like, her game plan has changed. Like, it it seems almost like the same revitalization as you've seen with Roxanne Matafari. Like, she's just focused on doing what she does well, but implementing other things that open up the strikes for her, right? Like, she's a good Muay Thai fighter, but those takedowns allow her to be good at Muay Thai as well. So, like, I I think she probably mixes it up enough here too. To either win rounds with those takedowns, or at least open enough so her striking, you know, just absolutely wails on her.
1: Yep. So we were both going with JoJo to, to get a bounce back win here, which is good, and hopefully she can still get herself a title fight after that. Um. Well, before we hit the main portion, this is basically a two fight card. For more than uh, um, it, there's there's good fights on it, but obviously the. The top two are, are the main ones that uh, casual fans will be most interested in. Before we hit those up, let's tell you about one last sponsor, Ace Per Head. Have you ever thought about starting your own sports book but don't know how? That's where Ace for Head comes in. They can help you start your own sports book. Uh, they'll provide you with all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer service, uh, customer support going 24-7, and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace Head offers live betting and amazing mobile experience. Get started today, and Ace Head can offer up to six weeks free. So go to aceperhead.com slash SGP, aceperhead.com slash SGP. All right, uh, so they're both lightweight fights, and if anything exciting happens in either of them, <laughs> Habib may come back. Um, so we'll start with the co-main event, obviously, Dan Hooker, Michael Chandler. A very interesting fight here. Um, We will start with um, the debuting Michael Chandler, a former Bellator champ, a former Missouri wrestler, I believe. Um, He has got 21 pro wins, nine knockouts, seven submissions. He's won two straight fights, five of his last six. Um, He did fight... um, Fight Metrics, uh, the site formerly known as Fight Metric, does have stats for his old Strike Force. A couple of times he fought in Strike Force, and he had solid grappling stats there. His grappling stats are better than Hooker in that. And I believe if he included his his Bellator fights, he, his grappling stats definitely would be better than, than Hooker's. Uh, despite this, he is a plus 120 dog heading into this one. Hooker, uh, New-, New Zealander, 20 wins, 10 knockouts, 7 submissions. He's won seven of his last nine fights. Uh, he did drop his last fight though. Um, much bigger uh, than Chandler here, height-wise and reach-wise. Four inches of height, four inches of reach. Four years younger. Striking stats are in his favor, but uh, this is limited sample size, obviously for Chandler, and doesn't include his all his key work he did in Bellator. Uh, Hooker surprisingly, is surprisingly his minus 130 favorite in this one. I think I'm leaning Chandler, but we'll see if Dan tries to convince me otherwise.
0: I'm not gonna try to convince you otherwise, but I am gonna inform you that I don't agree with you. And mm. it, it's to me, my worry here is that Chandler thinks that his path to victory can be undefeat. Um, yeah. And, and if you look at his recent Bellator fights, right, he, that was his path to victory, right? Like he he was able to knock out Benson Henderson standing up. He was able to knock out Sidney Outlaw with a right cross. But like. Tell me how you feel about a win over Sydney Outlaw with your stand-up. Because it doesn't make me go, ooh, he's a top-level lightweight, you know? And, and for me, if he thinks that that's his path to victory, I think he's badly mistaken. Because I think he's going to get beat on the feet by Dan Hooker. I think Dan Hooker's a better striker. I think Dan Hooker has some dangerous knees, some dangerous punches. He's the type of guy who, who can absolutely pour it on you in terms of of sheer volume right like we saw him do that to Paul Felder like the guy went five rounds with Paul Felder in like a violent fight you we also have to remember this is a guy who knocked out Gilbert Burns he knocked out Jim Miller like this is a guy who who isn't to be taken lightly in those regards so I mean like for that reason I I like Dan Hooker and, and even you know if you think about those knees that he's throwing and in that Jim Miller fight, or even in the, the Gilbert Burns fight, like they're good counters to the takedown too, which if Michael Chandler is to actually win this fight, I think he needs to employ. I think he needs to become a wrestler. Um, but that being said, I'm not even sure that that's a good path to victory. Gilbert Burns went 0 for one trying to take down Dan Hooker. Uh, Dustin Poirier went one for seven. Do I think that Michael Chandler is a substantially better wrestler than Dustin Poirier? Man, I I don't know that I do. So, I mean, like, obviously you mentioned his credentials, but have we seen him do much in MMA with it against guys who I would consider top-level lightweights? No, not really, unless you're really big on Brett Primus, like, and and I'm not. So, uh, for that reason, I I really like Dan Hooker in this fight, um, but there are a lot of unknowns, obviously, due to the strength of schedule there.
1: Yeah, exactly. I actually... Given it more thought, I think I am going to go with Hooker um, due to, um, well, one of the things that we were joking about before, but Dana saying that uh, Habib will come back if something spectacular happens. Um, that will give Chandler even more reason to believe his his path to uh, fame and fortune is is on the feet, um, which could be a, a problem with, uh, like, Hooker, you, you can't kill him. Um, he's going to be the longer fighter here, the younger fighter here. Um Sure, he has wear and tear on him, but like I said, he he can take a lick and, and keeps on ticking. Um, Chandler, um, he's he no doubt with what he's been fighting for years. No doubt he's uh he got to be his best years have got to be behind him at this point. He's he's heading into the UFC at uh age 34, almost 35. He's got what 26 pro fights on his resume. You got to think he's he's past past the prime of his career. Um, and I, yeah, I think Hooker is just a very bad matchup for him when, when you think of, uh, this probably will, will turn into a striking battle. And which brings us to the main man. Now we won't be going huge in depth on this fight. Uh, I don't think at least because we did a good half hour, 45 minutes on it a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, a podcast on this fight i will make sure there's links to that um on on the page for for this uh, episode you listen to currently but that of course would be Dustin employee versus conor mcgregor part two um like i said we already broke it down pretty extensively not much has really changed since then um, as for stats their stats are almost identical um hook employees about a half a year younger striking stats uh leaned in his favor mcgregor's got two inches of reach on him um, right now the line is McGregor minus 267 and Poirier plus 246. We both picked McGregor originally. And I don't think anything's changed our opinion since that time, right?
0: Nothing's changed my opinion. And, it, and to just give you guys a recap, if you want to go back and listen to the whole thing, I highly suggest doing so. But the, as a quick recap here, Poirier to me is a guy who gets by on, on volume and who gets by on aggression And and that's, I mean, that's worked very well for him, right? Like, he out-aggressived the Hooker. He he beat Max Holloway at his own game, which, after this past weekend, is just an insane sentence to say, right? Like, he beat Max Holloway at, like, an aggression and striking game, which is so fun. He did it to Eddie Alvarez. he, He did it to Justin Gaethje until Justin Gaethje couldn't take it anymore. That's, like, such a good game plan against so many guys in this division. I'm just not sure it's that against Conor McGregor, who... Who has made a living off of being the guy who tricks you into being over aggressive and then pops you on the chin? I mean, it's what what he did to Jose Aldo. He taunted him nonstop for six months, it felt like, in 150 press conferences, and then touched him on the chin real quick and it was over. I mean, like he got you know Cowboy to be aggressive with him. He he got you know even to some smaller extent. You could look back at his record. You could see a lot of guys who got overly aggressive with him and it didn't work out well. Eddie Alvarez is another one. So I, I just have a tough time imagining Dustin Poirier altering that game plan enough so that this winds up being his fight. You know, I, I think he probably has a really clear path to victory if he tries to employ some grappling. He probably has a quick path to victory um, if he, he fights a more technical point fighting style. He might even be able to beat Connor at that. But I'm worried that he's going to get lulled into his old ways of throwing 150 punches in a night um, and, and laying it out there. And I don't know necessarily that that's the type of fight he's going to win.
1: No, I, I don't think he would He would win that kind of fight at all. And uh, also, hashtag overaggressive, I believe Dan said overaggressive. <laughs> He over aggressive to guy, so that's that's a new one for us guys. We didn't have any hashtag chunky guys on this card, unfortunately, but but we got that. So, um, so we both say pick McGregor be a knockout. Take that prop.
0: Yeah, I, I think probably that's the right pick. Um, and, and I think probably after. Poirier becomes frustrated in round two or three. So I like I like McGregor somewhere in that range if I'm trying to, you know, really look into the crystal ball. Um, but, but again, this is a fight where, and we said it on the other show too, is that if you're looking for value on a fight card as far as betting, somebody with name value of Conor McGregor right after UFC debuted on ABC, and you're going to have so many casual fans turning into this and wanting to have money on it. That the, the value just isn't there on Conor McGregor. Even if you're looking at the props, I think you're going to find a tough time finding good value on him on the betting card. You probably find better betting value on Poirier, but again, I, I don't see him winning this fight, but like the odds are badly skewed due to the name value.
1: Hashtag throw him in a parlay, maybe?
0: Ah, whew. I, I mean, maybe, but I, I think you know, if if you want to get into some props on this card, yeah. I actually think there are a lot better names to hashtag throw in a parlay. Um, the the first one that really sticks out to me on this one is Sarah McMahon should be in any parlay you're trying to put together at negative one thirty. Those are phenomenal odds. And and I liked, you know, I said when I was we were talking about, you know, hashtag throw him in a parlay, Khalil Roundtree, even though it's negative 320, if you pair him with McMahon, again, we're talking about like plus 160 returns here. So you're getting some nice plus money on two people who I think, man, I, I have a tough time believing either Roundtree or McMahon loses the fights they're in. So I, I really like both of those two. Um, The other one who, like we said before, you know, I like Antonio Carlos Jr. He's a fighter I'm a big fan of. If he wins this fight, it's not unreasonable to think that he could possibly score a submission. And right now I'm not seeing submission, you know, the books I check over and the lines I check over. I'm not seeing any Antonio Carlos Jr. by submission props. But I do see him inside the distance is already plus 255. Now, I, I got to imagine nobody's thinking he's going to knock out Brad Tavares. So the submission line might only be, you know, plus 280 or plus 275. But like we said last week with, with Vinicius Morea, which hopefully by the time you're listening to this was also a good pick by submission, we're talking about two and a half to one here on a submission on a guy who relies on submission. So uh, I, I really like Antonio Carlos Jr. by submission in that fight as well. Um, so those would be my two kind of props and parlays for this card.
1: We are shockingly on on the same page for this fight card. Looking through our picks, all the main card we agreed on, all the main prelims we agreed on, we only disagreed on one fight, and that's Sanchez and Muradov. Wow. That, that's, that, that's, that's pretty That's going to be boring.
0: going to be definitely boring recapping next week. Uh, <laughs> make sure you tune into that, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But that means we know what we're talking about this time. We're both on the same page, so you should basically follow all our picks and make sure you bet $100 minimum on all of these fights. Uh, that's that's what real duggens do. So, um, and you'll definitely be right because Dan and I both agree for a change. So, um, that's enough podcasting for one day. I, I think um, not to say we just recorded another podcast before this, but anyhow, um, make sure you check us out on Twitter and tell us. Um, how much money you won thanks to us. Uh, I would be at Jeff Fox Ryder. He would be at Gumby Vreeland. Uh, like I said, that's enough enough talking to Dan for one day. So um, we will be back next week with a recap on um, on UFC 257 and uh, we'll, we'll see what exciting things happened or didn't happen in the top two fights and we'll we'll see what kind of spin Dan and I can put on things. So until that time, enjoy the fights and we will talk to you soon.